we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, it's time for another installment of Free Writer Friday. Ron, I'm so excited about this. Me too, Ed. Delayed for a week, but for good reason. Well worth it for George Gilder. Well <laughs> worth it for George Gilder. We're getting a lot of great feedback on that show. If those of you that missed it, you just stop. You know, if you're listening, if you're listening live, listen. But if you if you're listening on on playback, stop this show. Stop it, and then just go listen to the Gilder show, and then come back here. That will just just put that out there. And then when we're done here, go read his book. Yeah, exactly. We got people exactly. reading the book two or three times. Ed, it's amazing. It is amazing. Truly, truly, truly good stuff. All right, but I want to start with a very serious topic, Ron. Okay. A topic that has really, I think, is a national scourge. As you know, we had a a recent election. And, you know, there's a lot of folks who just don't think that, that, that this, this is valid, that it, it, that it can possibly be true. Um. And and I, and I think it's something that we all should be concerned with. Doesn't matter your persuasion. And, and of course, I'm I'm talking about your losing to Donald Trump in the accounting today's top 100 most influential people list. I was robbed. <sighs> I can't. So the votes are in, and you know Melanson he always wins. So. No harm, no foul there, right? And then Hood, he, he's, a, he's good for second place. And Alan Colton, we'll shout out to him. And, and, and Kimberly, um, uh, uh, was it Elysian Taylor? Mm-hmm. Shout outs to them. But then Donald Trump comes in fifth with 11 votes and Baker at, with 10. He edged me out of the popular vote. Did you win the electoral? Well, the- and, and I'm pretty sure he colluded. Yeah, I, the, I mean, uh, the Russian. This is clearly Russian influence. Yep, I, 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 think, Russian they, I think they hacked into accounting today. Uh huh. I also no think that just because a lot of the people that that comprise that vote, it's like 140 people. I think it's the top 100, and there's some others, and I don't know how they decide, but. I, you know, I really think it's because the guys vote the way their wives tell them to. I think that's the other part of it. Mm. Hadn't factored that in. Hadn't yeah. factored that in, but I think that could be. But I, I, it's it's clearly we need that we need a ver, we need a formal com- committee meeting of the Verisage Institute to look into this. I've already started the book. What happened? Good. <laughs> and Good. Good. Yeah, I think that's that's where we need to go. And look, I I, I call on uh, Daniel Hood to, you know, he might need to step down. He need he he might he might need to recuse himself. We need to get Price Waterhouse in there. 
or something probably to, to you know look at the votes well look in all seriousness congratulations for making the list <laughs> yeah back at you no <laughs> always a great honor to 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 be named on that list you're like what 15 years something crazy like that i i don't i don't know something yeah i don't know <laughs> i think i'm i'm three or maybe four i'd have to yeah, i'd have to look yeah i think you're three or four yeah so so very happy and for for a lot of great people who are on that list including our various age colleagues michelle golden um trying to think just off the top of my head without looking but uh i think well i guess we don't mike mark, mark coisel doesn't quite count although he's been part of verisage for a long long friend time. of verisage as friend are the of boomers, as are the boomers and uh, Alan right. Colton is up there. Greg LaFall is up there. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of them. Yeah. A lot, a lot of friends of the show. Some have been on the show. Tom Hood. Oh, and Eric Askerson. He's, and he's going to be back on the show. That's right. Coming up. So we're and pretty course, pleased about that. Taylor McDonald, which is one of the reasons yes. why we're doing this show together. <laughs> yeah. And Jennifer oh, Wara. She's up there. Uh, yes, the other good, the great sage people. Jennifer Warwa is on the list, and um, actually, some some pretty interesting ones that that uh, well, David Slezak, of course, he's yep. he's been on for years and years and years too. There's a bunch of people, uh, but the guy who I interviewed actually on the other show that I do, the Sage Advice Podcast, um, um, Alan Peterson. Uh, and he's made it, I think, specifically for one reason. Obviously, he's really knowledgeable, but he, the whole sales tax thing. He's right. with Avalara now. Right, right, right. So. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So. so, And Trump is up there. And I think Mitch McConnell's up there on that list, too. Paul Ryan. Of course, politicians <laughs> always get on the list. So that that's understandable. But Well, you know, that, it is understandable. It is. Anyway. The Treasury Secretary, so... All right. Well, that's that's it. We're, we would just just in case you didn't one, we were, we were kidding about that. But we we do congratulate sincerely all of the winners and thank the people at accounting today for their their consideration. Lots and lots of competition. I you know I was looking at the the article on the second, uh, the one hundred to watch. I guess they call it. Right. And and we all have some fierce competition coming up in the ranks. So we got to watch ourselves. <laughs> Really? Yeah, except I don't view it as competition. There's this this profession screwed up enough; it needs all the help it can get. So, amen, amen. <laughs> and we welcome we welcome all those for making the list. And there's a lot of great people on that list as well. So, uh, congratulations to the to those folks. And and if you displace me or Ron one day, we will forgive you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I've had a holdover, and I just need to get this out just to get it on the record, but this, this one kind of blew my mind. Um, this is from The Economist back in May, and it's a profile a little bit about uh, Masayoshi San, who's the founder of SoftBank, a Japanese telecoms internet giant who started the Vision Fund, which is a venture capital fund with $100 billion dollars. That exceeds the $64 billion of all venture capital funds raised globally in 2016. Wow. This is a massive, massive fund. Now, this guy is invested in Alibaba, right, in China, which paid off handsomely. He also lost 99% of his wealth in the uh, dot-com crash of 2001. <laughs> so... Um, 
but he's also got um, he gives four or five times more money than the companies end up asking for. And he really wants to create an ecosystem and take the startups he funds also into Asia. And he invests in three areas, frontier technology, like AI, I, you know, Internet of Things. The sing- He's a big believer, by the way, in the singularity, which I'm far more skeptical about now after reading Gilder. Um, the second area he invests in is bringing new tech to old industries, so ride sharing like Uber, and he's he's funded this uh, dog walking app uh, called Wag, which is a pretty cool name, uh, kind of like an Uber for dog walkers, you know, so you can find somebody to walk your dog, and then technology, media, and telecoms company. And he says if Steve Jobs brought Apple to Apple and understanding of technology and art, this guy's formula is technology plus finance. And it's just really interesting because the point that the economist made about him is he said, well, look, it, for a fund of this size to make massive returns, you know, that's going to be a lot harder, right, than a smaller venture capital firm. But he said, whether this guy wins or loses, he's going to change the landscape of the startup world just because of the money he's got floating around. And uh, the other point they made, which I thought was really good, it will offer startups an alternative to cashing out to the giants. Because hmm. it's so big. It's so yeah. big. Yep. If he if if so, if one of these you know one of them becomes a unicorn or whatever, he can he can they can fend off a potential buyer like Google or whoever. So just interesting. Just really big. That's a huge fund though. <laughs> Hundred billion is a huge fund. Yeah, what's the line? Hundred billion here, hundred billion there. Suddenly, we're talking about real money. Money, yeah, we're talking government uh, government numbers here. (laughs) Yeah, wow, that's that's impressive. All right, cool stuff. Well, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Really interesting. So, I got I got one. We got about three minutes or so left until our break. Maybe two. Uh, This is a little bit more mundane, but this was absolutely everywhere. I don't know if you picked this up. I first saw it on LinkedIn of all places, and then when I went to the LinkedIn article, which we'll post a link to, you can see just about like every major news site picked this up. And that is, it's it was a should commuting count as work. (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. Because 60% of commuters on one British railway card connected to Wi-Fi found that they were doing, you know, they're doing email, right? Sure. It's good, great catch up time to pr- prepare for their day or, you know, re- rearrange their schedule. So should that count time as, as, as quote work? And I'm like, do, do we, do people, maybe we are just so jaded by this whole knowledge work thing, but do people really think that way anymore? I I think so. I think some do. I mean, l- look, I get it if you're, I don't know, if you're in the service industry and you're you're reporting for a shift at a a, a, a restaurant or something, right? Or you're getting you're getting an hourly w- wage, but maybe more people in Britain make hourly r- rate wages than 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 we think. But if if you're if you're a knowledge worker, which to me, if you're doing a lot of your work on your phone and are doing emails and stuff, well, then you got to be at least uh, what fifty plus percent a knowledge worker. Sure. Why do we even think this way? It's just embedded in us to think hourly. 
you know, hourly wages, employees. I thought when you said commute, I thought you were going to talk about the people driving. You know, the average commute is 40 minutes or whatever, you know, in your car. But because uh, I, I, I could see that movement coming too. you know, they should right. pay us to commute to work. <laughs> right. Well, I guess that's when 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 autonomous vehicles hit, then perhaps that will be a thing, right? That you'd be able to quote work. But you know, look, there is a downside I think to this, and that is that you know, if if that's the case, and all of a sudden, yes, you're now paying quote for your time in in your commuting because you're you're on your device or what have you. Well, now we have to worry about potential more surveillance of employees, and wh- and then what do you do if like the Wi-Fi goes down on the train? Like, <laughs> <laughs> very good question. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, it's just all of these different things. All right. Well, well, we're right up against a break, and Ron, we get back. I want to talk to you a little bit about the the whole Patreon site that we have set up because I don't think we I think we gave that a little bit of short shrift the last time we talked about it on a Free Rider Friday. But right now, we want to remind you that you can hold, get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to ask, T-S-O-E, at verisage.com. The website, of course, is thesoulofenterprise.com, where you can look at show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows and the archive page, which, Ron, contains all 207, soon-to-be eight episodes. What a body of work we've been able to put together over these years. But now a word from our sponsor and the folks who do our great social media, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're here on Free Rider Friday for the month of August. And Ed, let's talk about the Patreon site, doing the bonus episodes and... Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun, and we've had this up a month now. And and first, and this is our, 
I, and I made this disclaimer the last time we talked about this is in, in in no way is any kind of a rap against our great folks at Voice America. We absolutely love them. They do great work for us, and we could we couldn't do do this show without them. And we will continue to do this show as as long as we have Sage as a sponsor. Let's just I'll just say it right <laughs> out, right? And and we you know we we love doing it. We love doing it with them. But there was a call from a couple of different people who said, you know, I don't like listening to the commercials. And we're like, okay, well, and 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 it was about the same time that we were both reading the Gilder book, and we're like, well, we're if we want to do a commercial-free version, well, that's fine, but you got to pay, right? right. <laughs> you got to pony up. We got to so have customers. We've got we to have, have customers, right? We need it's prices like, to get feedback to get that that's right. crucial knowledge. Yep. <laughs> that's right. So we set up this thing on on Patreon, which is a site I had not heard of until about three months ago, and now all of a sudden I hear it everywhere. It's yeah, like crazy. Too. But it's the red Volkswagen syndrome. It right? is the, the Volkswagen. Yes, it, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I have heard uh, it a ton. I have heard it right. a ton since. <laughs> right. So, which means, which means to me, which means people were talking about it, but we just ignored it. Like it was just, Ooh, it was like, like it. It was a filler word that just completely missed. Right. So anyway, so that you can get there two ways. Probably the the easiest is if you're on the Soul of Enterprise site. There's a little uh, thing you can click on. But so the Soul of Enterprise dot com slash patron. Right. And then of course you can go to Patreon, which is p a t r e o n dot com slash t s o e, and that will bring you to our site. And we'd love for you to subscribe there. There is, I think, Ron, one promotional priced five dollar subscription left for the first person who goes and grabs it after that it goes up to our full price of seven dollars per month so right. we'd love for you to go out and do that we're we're really looking to get a minimum of 25 uh subscribers this is going to enable us to do a couple things one we are going to be able to if we if we get up to that 25 subscription we're going to go back and reproduce all of the previous episodes that we've done Right, so that's number one. Right now, there's only the uh, the first ten episodes, and then the last, I guess, fourteen episodes because I did we did ten of them plus all new episodes go up on there, right? And those those are commercial free. Right. And then the other thing that's important to note is that we do these bonus episodes, which was really just kind of our after action review that you and I do anyway. And we've heard a lot of great feedback from from people that they really like the bonus episodes. And this includes a couple of things. Bonus episodes that we do right after our regular show, plus episodes that we do p- potentially in between on the week-to-week. And we also started doing, especially when we have guests, the snippets of the commercial breaks, of what happens on our commercial breaks, which in some cases have been pretty interesting conversations that we've had with people. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So um, certainly want you to go do that. And I did find a stack. I did find a stack of old episodes where I do have the commercial break. So if I get some some time this weekend, if we get our baseball uh, tournament rained out, I'm going to do some editing and maybe get some some bonus bonus episodes up there on the site. So please awesome. take a look at the Patreon site. All right, enough. Oh, last last thing. If we do get up to 25, we're also going to make sure that we transcribe every show and make that available to patrons with full transcription available to every show. Pretty cool. Yeah, excellent. And then, by the way, we did have the uh, Gilder uh, show transcribed, so the full transcript transcription of that is up on the show notes as well for last week's episode. Yep, amazing. Okay, get take it All away. All right, Ed. Now, so you talked yep. about... You talked about commuting, and yep. let's talk about another fun thing that employees love and anticipate with enthusiasm 
probably as much enthusiasm as Prometheus awaiting his daily arrival of the eagle who was sent by the gods to peck at his liver. I'm mm. talking about the corporate meeting. Nice. Love the meeting. The corporate meeting. So we know C. Northcote Parkinson, right? The law of triviality. He's a Parkinson's law guy, right? Oh, right. He's, okay. He's okay. got the law of triviality. The time spent on any item of the agenda will be in inverse proportion to the sum of money involved. <laughs> Love it. How Love true it. is how true is that? You sit there mm -hmm. and talk about something for twenty minutes, and it's just it's peanuts. <laughs> right. And then um, this comes out of the. There's a great new column in the Economist called Bartleby, which is a character in the novel, but. Without getting into that, um, he just writes about all things like corporate and being an employee and, you know, the whole, you know, kind of working in the salt mines type of thing. So HR and, you know, all that kind of stuff. In this column, he's taken on meetings, but he's got Bartleby's Law, which is 80% of the time of 80% of the people in meetings is wasted. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. It, it is. And then there's a corollary to that, which is at least 80% of meetings, uh, any decision taken will be in line with the hippo, the highest paid person's opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at least half the attendees at some point in the meeting will check their phones. That I can attest to multiple times, by the way. Mm -hmm. it, in fact, it put your phone down is a constant refrain. Uh, yeah, meetings, which is absolutely hysterical when you hear adults tell other adults that <laughs> I guess, you know, I feel like I'm in Chuck E. Cheese or something, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, but but they do point out a paradox of meetings, Ed, it, you know, okay. nothing is, you know, we load nothing more than seeing another meeting in our inbox. Right. But you know what we hate more being excluded from a <laughs> what you guys are having a meeting without me i didn't hear about that meeting <laughs> why wasn't i invited <laughs> yeah i wanted to waste 80 percent of my time as well this is, this well the is reason so... why you want that like you like you want to go to meetings is because you don't really do anything <laughs> so oh, yeah yeah the, I... right so I mean, it's, 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 it was for, from the office space, right? What's the, the, the Bob? <laughs> right, right. I would right. say any given week, I get about 15 minutes of actual work. work <laughs> yeah. I, I remember uh, John Cleese started a video training company for corporations. And one of the episodes, which he sold later for a ton of money to somebody. But anyway, one of the, one of the sketches was about meetings. And he's laying in bed, and it's late. It's like 11.30, you see, on the clock or something. And then he's got papers strewn all over, and he's sitting up, and he's working, you know. And his wife says, she goes, my God, don't can't you get this done at the office? He goes, she goes, when are you supposed to sleep? He goes, that's why I'm in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, and, you know, this. I just recalled the great Peter Drucker quote about that, that that meetings are by definition a concession to deficient organization. <laughs> Love that. 
and like and you're like and, and when I say that, people are like what? It's like well, you get well if we if we knew what we were supposed to do, we wouldn't have to have the meeting. And, right, and we just do it. We just yeah, do it. absolutely, yeah. And there's two other points they make in this article. He says, you know, start with the most contentious items first, right? Now just get, yeah. just put the elephant in the room and just you know pound that out first. But Ed, how many times have you been in a meeting and you adjourn and you have no idea what was decided? Has that ever happened? Well, yeah, and, and which which is why you know, and I think this is Patrick Lincoln in his book Death by Meeting. He hit the the last ad, uh, item on every agenda. And first of all, you should have an agenda. And that goes back to Peter Drucker, right? right? He right, says right. that why why should you be disorganized about your disorganization? Right, right. So okay, so if you, if they are a concession to division organization, be organized. Then the last thing he and uh, Lincoln says is, uh, or is it Linsoni? I never can. I don't know whether sure. it's a, yeah. Anyway, he says the last item should be what exactly did we decide to do at this meeting? Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Right. And and the and the job of the scribe, by the way, is to take that stuff down. Right. But have you have you experienced this one, Ron? This is my favorite. The meeting about the meeting. Yes. That's my one. favorite. Yes. We have <laughs> to have a meeting to talk about the meeting. Yeah. Being out of compliance with the compliance office, it, it, it's just it's just absurd. <laughs> well, I uh, hand to God, we long time ago at Sage, and this person is no longer there. But 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 uh, th- this we we had this we had this person, and and the the, the name of the meeting was the review preview. <laughs> <laughs> the, the review preview. Okay. <laughs> Sign me up for that. We have to follow the process, Ed. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We cannot let results get in the way of our process. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough on uh, meeting. That just that's boring me to tears. Oh God! All right, so let me. I'll try to get a really super quick one in here. Uh, this is just an interesting story that I came across on my Apple News feed. Soon, the most beautiful people in the world may no longer be human. Hmm. And this is about how what we're that we're able to do with our, you know, we've always been able to to touch up, right? You know, the, the all of the stuff that people have done on on uh, uh, what is a Photoshop, right? right? Sure. Well, now it's pretty much just easier to start from scratch. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, and we don't need a model to shoot, right? And we'd we'd pay less because they they don't really exist. Right, and if, so if you think about this, it's they they might not actually exist. And so they 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 say probably um, about ten percent of the of the, the of the fa- the faces that you see now are altered in some significant way, so as not to have to worry about royalties. Wow. Right. So oh, that's interesting. Yep. So take take that take that through. We'll post a link up to this. But I thought that was really interesting about, you know, how we it, we, we yes we've evolved su- such that the the graphics can make it so that it is indistinguishable. You can't tell in a still photo that okay that that's not a real person. You don't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like how the stories and now some of them are written by AI, and we don't we're not really aware of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's interesting. 
All right. Well, let me take take us to the break, Ron. We're right at the bottom of the hour here, so ah. remind you again the 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 way that you can get a hold of us is asktsoeverisage.com website, thesoulofenterprise.com, with full show notes, previews to upcoming shows, and let me also put a plug in to please review the show and or rate the show and review the show on iTunes. If you do, you become instantly famous at the next Free Rider Friday because we always read those live on air. And if you put your name in, we'll tell tell them who you are, or you can say not who you are. That's fine too. But we really do. That's the currency. That's that's how we know we're do- doing a great job. So if you could please give a quick review on iTunes, and that will uh, make every everybody happy. Uh, right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of August, a, a week late because we had George Gilder on last week. And Ed, I've got one from the AICPA by a guest blogger. Uh, his name is Brock Gossett. And he talks about a firm who started a program called the First 15. And basically, it was a CPA firm. And basically, for the first 15 minutes, everybody read and it took it took a while to to get this program off the air. People couldn't you know couldn't believe that it was really going to happen. And then all of a sudden, people got really into it, and they started reading more more and more books at work. At least for the first fifteen minutes, and um, they read over four hundred thirty nine books in the last year. 
And this guy tried it, and he doesn't say he's in a firm, so he's not. He's the he's the manager of corporate communications at the AICPA. But he said he tried this at work, and here's what he reported happened to him personally. Because uh, the title of the blog is, I jump-started my productivity in 15 minutes, and you can too. He said, you, your focus increases. Mm-hmm. You have more confidence in communication because you you become a better storyteller, right? You're you're more able to pull anecdotes and facts from from what you've read. You've got an improved memory, and uh, you have a new and improved addiction. <laughs> and I just thought it was really interesting because he said, you know, people, everybody, everybody admits and agrees the merits of reading, but then what's the number one thing you hear? I don't have time to do it. Right. right. It's got time to do it. And yet everybody's so this one firm thought, well, hey, we, we don't we can't control what they do on in their off hours, but maybe we can give them some time on the job to do it. And, you know, if you're a knowledge worker and you've gotten a knowledge in your knowledge environment, you want people to read, uh, you know, now this this firm said nonfiction books only. Um, and, and so it was either a business book or whatever. I mean, you know, it wasn't Harlequin romances or something, but <laughs> Uh, just, just getting people to read and not just the technical stuff that we all have to read as professionals, but, you know, to expand your mind, I just, you know, I I keep coming back to leaders of readers and, you know, there's survey after survey on this, this goes way back. The one thing that almost any CEO has in common, all the CEOs have in common, uh, because of all the different leadership styles and everything, but the one thread that runs through almost every CEO is they're voracious readers, mm-hmm. and and I have not found an exception to that uh, in my experience. I mean, people who lead, they read and they read voraciously, and I, I'm kind of surprised how many people I run into that don't. I don't think Donald Trump reads a lot. No, I don't think he does. Although. Well, no, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say that's true. I would say that's definitely true. I, I can't say that I've ever heard him quote a book. Other than his like, own. Yeah. Right, which he didn't read either. <laughs> or write, probably. <laughs> or write. Well, no. Right. Well, I mean, we know that. We know that. That was easy. Uh yeah, no, that's interesting. I I think that that that's cool. That's a, that's a, a little variation on on Google time. It's like I call it directed Google time, right? Right, right. Yeah, where you're, you're insisting. I yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't open it up to nonfiction though. I mean, there's there's plenty of nonfiction that I'm see. I'm I'm sorry, fiction. There's plenty of fiction that that is is extraordinarily helpful in the workplace, in, including by the way, just looping back in Bartleby the Scrivener. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the first and best business books I've ever. Well, it's not even a book; it's a short story by Herman Melville. Right, right. That's right, Melville. That, I couldn't yeah. remember the guy's name. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a great story. I, it, it, he <laughs> the 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 shtick is it's Bartleby is an employee, and you know what a scrivener is, Ron? Do you know what that is? Uh, um, uh, not a scribe. Um, they're sort of a scribe, but but it's they're more like a human copy machine. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. That's what they are. Oh, you're right, so they, right. They, they just they they write down you know copies of correspondence you know before 
carbon copies and all sure. that stuff. Sure. Right. So they they would just have to re- rewrite stuff down so that you would have, otherwise have a copy. And Bartleby was a scrivener, and apparently he he wasn't too thrilled with his work. And and whatever the boss asked him to do, that he would just respond, "I prefer not to." I prefer not. Yeah, that that was the famous line. I prefer not to. <laughs> prefer not to. And the no, boss that's... ends up going crazy because he can't handle it. Like they, you know, they can't. He tries to fire Bartleby, and Bartleby says, "When he gets fired, I prefer not to. I prefer not to be fired." Right? <laughs> and he's like, he keeps coming in. He's like, Bartleby, I'm not going to pay you. And I think something, something absurd. Like he, they, they finally get to a point where they just move the office. Like one weekend, and don't tell Bartleby, and that's how they finally get rid of him. Rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I think you're right about the the reading fiction because I, I forget who said this, but you know, somebody said that reading nonfiction gives you knowledge, but reading fiction gives you wisdom. Yes, I would agree with that, and I'm also guilty as charged. I'm trying to read more fiction this year than I ever have. In a regular cadence, so yeah. although yeah. Right in the middle of three nonfiction books, I really shouldn't say much. <laughs> it's difficult if you're used to reading nonfiction to make the the transition back to back to fiction. But yeah, some of it's great. Yeah, good stuff. You know. All right, all right. What do you got? Uh, well, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about this topic. We should probably break this out and do a whole show on this. And we, we've addressed this in a couple of different ways. But the, the, there's an article posted, I think it's on Fee, but sometimes they post from some, but something else. Let me just see if I can find it. No, this was definitely on their website, Fee's website, about and the, the title is Nudging, Should We Be Wary of the Latest Fad in Behavioral Economics? First of all, I don't think it's latest. Right. It's been around for quite some time. But I wanted to ask you about this. Um, how, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on nudging? I, uh, go, I'll just let me ask you that question then because I have got something, something I want to add. Right. Right. Well, it's funny. You, you took the next story off my stack. Really? Oh, so, my yep, God. Yep. So, uh, you know, let's face it. Behavioral economics is a blend of, of uh, psychology and economics. Right. And I think that's fair. And I think that uh, behavioral e- economists challenge the whole idea of rational man um, that, you know, the, the classical economists make that assumption. And we dealt with this ad on episode number eight back oh, in gosh. August 2014 titled Mr. Spock versus Homer Simpson. So if oh, you're interested right, right. in the whole rationality versus non-rationality, the whole Mr. Spock versus Homer Simpson parts of our brain Go back to our episode number eight, and we'll link that in the show notes. But we've all seen these biases, right, that we have. We, we're not very good at decision-making, and there's this bias and that bias. In fact, the article has a whole chart <laughs> of all these right. different biases. Um, and then the idea of nudging is, well, you, to help you make the correct decision. But the author points out that, well, there's two problems with this. One is policymakers suffer from the same biases and knowledge problems that we humans do. So how do they know what the right mm-hmm. decision is? And, and uh, you know, the, 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 second, the second one is that uh, political institutions are, you know, they're just as flawed and subject to uh, inefficiencies as, as anything else. So, uh, and, and they're biased to take action. You talk about biases, you know, politicians or regulators, they want to do something, right? Don't just stand there, do something. Right, and, right. But what they do has unintended laws. And, and uh, you know, there's some nudges 
that, and we've talked about this, like the 401k nudge, right? right. So you have to opt out rather than uh, being automatically opted out. You're, you're automatically opted in. And if you want out, you sign a few forms and, and more, you know, what is it? It, it? The enrollment rate triples or something if you design it that way. And, you know, it, it, I don't have a problem with that because you do have a choice, but I, I do think nudging is kind of scary. I, it, it bothers me that we have paternalists in government wanting to nudge people to do, quote unquote, the right thing because things change. Value is subjective. People have different circumstances. You know, I might want to save at one point in my life and consume at another. I might have family I'm supporting or a medical emergency or sending money overseas somewhere. You know, there's all sorts of reasons. And, and this nudging doesn't account for any any individual. It's just a blanket policy. And those are some of my concerns with it. Well, and yeah, I, I agree with most of what you had to say, except I think two points on that. One there's always a default value, right, on some of these things. Sure. And and th- those are the ones that I have the least amount of problems with, right? There's always a default value, or or if there's not a default value, there there is a there is a value for not making a decision. Right. Right. Leaving it leaving it blank. Sure. Sure. Right. So, for example. The, 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 let's let's take the the four hundred one k thing. If it's you're in, unless you opt out, okay. But you can still opt out. You can opt out. You still have that choice. You're still free you to still, choose. Absolutely, still free to choose. And, and the the question then becomes is is what what if what if what if no selection is made, which becomes the default, right? right. And do. And I think more importantly, do you let people know? So this is where it ties into you know the Ariely stuff, which is organ donors, right? Yep. Yep. Do, who's to say that opting that that the default value, which is opt in, in other words, the question worded, uh, would you like to be an uh, or you will be an organ donor unless you check this box? No. Right. I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with that because you still have you still have the choice. True, and and, and, and you're right. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, you, you have to you have to pick a default value of some sort, or what's the value for the null choice? I, I guess that's the part that concerns me that the the picking of what we think is best for the majority of the people. You know, but it just, you know, we keep talking about groups of people or the bulk of the people and, and in that we lose the individual. But, but okay. Yes. But what's to, well, who's to say that the other choice isn't right either? Yeah, like what? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I know, you know, a guy wrote a whole book on this and it, it, I don't think it's the same guy who wrote this article, by the way, but uh, it, all the, the moral and ethical issues of, of the whole nudging and some of the behavioral economics. And it was fascinating um, and, and I tell you, it's a, it's a, it's not an easy issue because th- there's, there's really strong arguments. I mean, I watched the thing on Google where they, you know, they put the candy in kind of a harder place to get in the cafeteria because everything's free at Google mm-hmm. and it, you know, the, the candy consumption went way down, uh, and you know, people were eating more salad because they put that the first thing you see when you walk into the employee cafeteria is the salad bar and, you know, people were eating healthier because of it and, you know, is that a bad nudge? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Right. 
No, you know? I don't think so either. Yep. I yeah, just, I, I'm stuff. so weary. I'm so leery of government, but <laughs> you know, maybe that's just me being paranoid. Yeah, yeah. Well, but like I said, there's got to be a default value, and who's to say what it is? All right. Well, up against our last break, Ron, remind you, thesoulofenterprise.com is the place to go for show notes up and previews to upcoming shows, as well as uh, the archive page and the calendar page to see where Ron and I are and where you might come see us and stop by and say hello at any live events that we do. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, Ed, what better topic to talk about on Free Rider Friday than accountable capitalism? So, the Accountable Capitalism Act proposed by oh, yes. Senator Elizabeth Warren is yes. basically the plan to nationalize everything. But here's how it would work. is drafted. Businesses that have over a billion dollars in revenue uh-huh. would need permission from the federal government a special charter from the federal government, which yep. um, it would be a, a department in the in the Commerce Department would be established called the Office of U.S. Corporations to review and grant charters. That would be their job. And the charter would not only give them permission to operate, but it would dictate the composition of their boards, their internal corporate governance structure, their compensation practices, and their personnel policies, and more. And (laughs) this, you know, 
it's not only unconstitutional, according to some scholars and economists, because of the takings clause, basically. Yep, sure. But it's also Kevin D. Williamson out of National Review calls it unethical, immoral, irresponsible, and utterly bonkers. <laughs> other than that, it's great. Yeah, other than that, it's not a bad idea. Uh, but, you know, the, the let's deal with the accountable part. First off, corporations are already accountable to everybody that they exchange with. Customers, employees, suppliers, even to some extent government, even though that's not necessarily a free exchange, right? But they are accountable. They're accountable to all these groups and more. And, and, and just to say that they're not accountable is, is just absurd on the face of it. I completely agree with this, and I, th- th- I think so- someone, maybe you, when I when I posted something on this, says, "Ed, how can you be against accountable capitalism?" Right? <laughs> or are you against? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm against it. <laughs> I, I, I'm against this, and for for so many different reasons, not the least of which is, <laughs> I, this is this is national socialism. This this is this is not this is akin to Nazism. This. A, a nonfiction book I read earlier this year, and may have mentioned it on on a, on a show, but the, called the Vampire Economy, which was written right. by a communist who was observing what happened in Germany during Nazi rule, and this is exactly what they did. Exactly, like, exactly. The, the, it's 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 social control without having to tax anybody. We'll just offload it into the private sector so we don't have to be transparent about what we're spending on things, you know, so we can enact all these policies, but the government won't do it. We'll have these companies do it because that's the only way they can get or keep their charter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, how many companies that would you have uh, that, first of all, $1 billion is arbitrary, but fine, that, oh, let's just make sure that we only earn 990000 $990 million, <laughs> right? Well, well, you know, the USA is home to 64% of the world's billion-dollar privately held companies, and we have a plurality of billion-dollar startups in the world. Which would immediately leave if we, if we put this in Well, that's practice. the other thing. Nearly 50% of the S&P's revenue is overseas, and it, it doesn't take a whole lot to ship to business overseas. That, that, that is the other thing. This, this, it would be mass exodus. Especially knowledge for this. Yeah. Right. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and you, you know, know, you would see, you would see like somebody buy Uzbekistan or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Some country. Right. Yeah. Just um, buy the country. But you know, it's, it's also just covetedness and envy and envy, I think is like one of the most destructive uh, of, of human emotion. I mean, envy's horrific. And and that's kind of what this is. And and what's really frustrating when you look at Apple shareholders as a collective, if I can borrow some Marxist lingo, they're the largest taxpayer in the world. Yep. I mean, you know, it, it's like so we're going to go now. We know what Warren's doing. She knows this has got a snow snowball's chance, right? Of passing, but she's staking. She might out. be running for president, Ron. Well, that's that's it. She's staking out her radical position for the twenty twenty run. That's exactly what she's doing. 
All right. Well, I, I, I agree, but let me just because we got about four minutes left, and I want to tack this end. You know, this th- this happens on both sides of the aisles, Ron. Because here's our friend Tucker Carlson. This is from, you know, Fox News, yep. right? Who said that? Hey, I think it's a really good idea if the you know Amazon, Uber, and Walmart started paying their people more, so that you know the taxpayers are relieved of having to pay their part of their labor costs. Yep. No, nope, I know. I saw that. In fact, it's in my stack. So, <laughs> what is going on here? Tucker's like, an what? idiot when it comes to economics. Tucker's <laughs> an idiot. That's what I can tell you. And in fact, the I don't know if you're looking at the fee article that was written on this because somebody in fee just tore Tucker apart on on this. Um, but he kind of broad brushed all conservatives as not understanding the free market and and actually being anti-free market. I I have the stack. Maybe we'll Mm -hmm. talk about this in the bonus episode. I have this in my stack. But boy, did I take offense to this guy's article. Or not offense, but just this guy's wrong uh, because Tucker does not speak for most conservatives when it comes to economic issues. Well, I thought that was interesting, and that was my interpretation of it too. And yes, I am. I think I am looking at that. That it's a Tucker Carlson feeling the burn, right? And he, he's he, he. His first point is that uh, they aren't wholly owned by their founders, right? And you know, right. Bezos only owns seventeen percent. Kalelnik only opens a mere seven percent of Uber. Well, then he, they, but he then proceeds to brush all conservatives as if they owned all, as if Tarka Carlson owned all conservatives. <laughs> so. He exactly. falls victim. Yes. He falls victim to his own first point, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> now, that is not to dismiss that Tucker Carlson is an idiot on this topic, <laughs> because yes. and and other and other economic topics. I just and 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 look, that's that's true. I can point you to conservatives that spout off on uh, you know protectionism or tariffs or whatever, um, and I, and they're dead wrong on that too. But it's not all of them. No, no. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got those two in because I think they're definitely related, right? As we're we're seeing things unfold, you know, just the the, the war and stuff. So from both sides, you have to be careful about this stuff, Ron. You really, you really do. Have to be careful. And, and just one more. I know we've only got about a minute, but um, you know, the the Americans was a great TV show, and they're going to be making uh, not the same folks, but two other shows are going to come out. They're in production right now called The White Crow which okay. is uh, a biopic of Rudolf Nureyev, who was a Russian ballet who was a Russian ballet dancer who defected in 1961 and the new six-part adaptation of John Lecaire's The Spy Who Came In From The Cold uh, about a British spy who's who worked in East Germany is also in the works and I just and what they did was they got into the Stasi archives for this just like uh, you know, Joe Weisberg of the Americans, who was a former CIA guy, by the way, the, the producer of the Americans. Yeah, um, he got into the Russian archives and, and came up with some brand new material. Where they're getting into the Stasi archives for the the spy who came in from the cold. I just, you know, a, a a topic on East Germany would be fascinating. A show on East Germany, like that movie, The Lives of Others. Oh, what a great movie that was. All right. It's a phenomenal movie. So what's on store for next week, Ed? Well, Ron, we're going to take on this why trade deficits don't matter topic head on. Head on. It's about time. All right. I'll see you in 167 hours.
this has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by sage energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology join us next week on friday at 4 p.m eastern 1 p.m pacific and in the meantime please visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com